Welcome back to the History of Rock. His name is Brandon. He's DJ. His name is Shim. He's the rock star. Class is in session. We're going to try to get through this, man, because as Shim and I were getting set up, the internet was kind of uh, having some issues, and then it cleared up, so... If we get like five minutes in and then it abruptly stops and then you notice suddenly we've changed clothes, it's because we had to pick up the episode <laughs> at a later date because the internet decided to to crap out. But I'm super excited. And I got to say, super excited. I'm super excited because this album that we're talking about, if you're looking right above me, not the Mandalorian right there, but above that, it's Alice in Chains Dirt. And I absolutely love, 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 love this album. And Shim said something that was damn near blasphemous. It makes one of us. That makes one yeah. of us. Yeah. Because it's going to be a very interesting, it'll be a very interesting part. I was, I was listening to some of the record on stream yesterday and I was like, man, I, 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 I remember why I don't like this record. And it's interesting because normally you'll have podcasts where both people are just sitting around talking about how much they love a record. It's great. Isn't it great? Because of this, I'm like, it's going to be a little controversial because it's, it's Alice in Chains. A lot of people well, so are like, I- Alice in Chains is... Is I just the, didn't do enough album heroin. Is it the album as a whole? Is it the, is it the songs in general? Is it's it the band. Songs? It's the band, dude. I was never into this band. I've never been into this band. And here's the thing. This is fine because hopefully I'll learn some interesting things, but I've just never been into it. You And the good thank God that you are deeply into this record because we got to keep that, got to keep some positive energy. It'd be weird if it was like, hey, we're going to listen to Dream Theater's fourth album that no <laughs> one ever fucking liked. <laughs> no man, um, I I generally what I do when I'm prepping for these is I will put the album on and I just kind of listen to it. Um, and this is one that even as I'm prepping the album, I'm listening to it. As I'm showering, I'm listening to it. As I'm in my car, I'm listening to it because this is one of those albums I can go front to back on this whole thing. Mm. And again, I don't know how we're going to pick the three songs at the end. I don't care about that one. I I was going to say, it's going to be my... Now, here's the problem. They're going to be your choice. There's more than three songs that I want from this album, but that's where it's going to be... Like That's where we're going to have to make some decisions. Well, you can have my three. (laughs) So going back, though, again, we did say we promise we're going to get to the Nirvana songs, and we never did. Yeah. So we need to do that now. So do we need to do that now? Yeah, we need to cover what Nirvana songs... We wanted from Nevermind, and I honestly, um, I don't even think I wrote mine down. So No, I didn't write mine down either because we're lazy, useless people. This is so true. Let's go back to the track listing. I think, I, I think if I'm remembering correctly from what I wanted off the top of my head in regards to what it uh, came from Nirvana's Nevermind, is yeah. I wanted, I mean, you have to, we could be dickheads, but I th- you have to put it. What do you mean, moment. could be? We are. That's uh, what right. it is. <laughs> So you got to put in Smells Like Teen Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's no, like, well, that's, that's a must. Yeah, yeah, basically. And then that, for me, it could be any of the other ones. I think, you know, Breed is always one for me that, that stands out on this album. And it could be recency bias for me. But I'm some- going to try. Uh, there's one that, that I'm, I want to make sure I get it right because it's basically for me, it's always going to be Smells Like Teen Spirit in bloom and then this other one. And I think it's lithium, but I don't remember which of the two. Okay, so, so Jim's got to listen to that, but he's got to do it You go, you go tell us. You go because tell us. he's not allowed to. Yeah, I can't to. put it on the... <laughs> yeah, I know. So as, as we're looking at this, I still think to, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit's got to be one. I know that Breed was one that stuck out to me. I'm not completely sold on it. Um, and it, again, this could be reasons he biased, but since it was used in the Batman... Um, something in the way, I think, was one of those songs that that it's just 
that one stands out to me now. Yeah, but again, that really is. I think we might actually be pretty sold on it. I'm trying to find if it's, but what's the one that's like, um, I think that's Breathe. Which one's that? I think that's it's Breathe. Breathe. It I is. Think so. Okay, cool. So then those are my three picks. Okay, so what, because it, that it one, smells I like re- Teen Spirit in Bloom and Breed. That's for me. Yeah, and what about you? What if I were to say smells like Teen Spirit, Breed, and something in the way? Would you be willing to give in up Bloom In Bloom is such a good song. In Bloom is such a good song, dude. And you know what's interesting is we could be completely wrong, and the song you're thinking about is not Breed because no, it is Breed. As it I was breed. as I was prepping for Alice in Chains, I completely forgot what my three songs were. I just knew something in the way was one that stood out. Again, it could be recency bias. I think that's the fifth time I've said that. Yeah, um, re, re, what that's that's a that's a band name right there. Recency, recency bias. bias. Yeah, recency bias. All right, so look. All right, let's let's for for right now we're gonna put a pin in the Nirvana songs, and so if you can. <laughs> Yeah, we yeah, literally pretty... said we've got to get this done. No, no. Well... <laughs> okay, you have it. What something in the way is great. I'm on the fence because something in the way is an epically timeless, awesome song. And I've got, I love the story about how they recorded it with Kurt just lying on the couch and put a microphone on him and he played the whole song down. Do you know that story? Tell me. Okay, they were trying to get this, so this is total sidebar. One minute. Um, this is about never mind. They were trying to figure out how to get the Kurt wanted the song to sound like it was falling asleep. Like he was like the song's supposed to sound like you're almost off into a dreamland or it's the thing you hear right before you die or something. <coughs> and they were recording and he was sitting and he couldn't, they couldn't capture the vibe of it. And then he was just lying back on the sofa and he was literally like laying back. He wasn't like slouched. He was lying backwards. Like he'd be asleep and playing it there. And he was like, it just needs to sound like this man. And so he, and so they literally said, don't move. And they, they moved the microphone over and put it on his guitar and on his voice. And he just laid there and sang the song down. And it wasn't to a click track and it wasn't planned. So then the band had to play along this. And and tell me if I'm wrong, but I've heard this a couple of times. So this, you know, I'm pretty sure this is a true story. The band had to play along to the track that he just recorded. So imagine like you're just there and you're singing a song and, da, 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 and you just get your iPhone out, you hit record. And then you take that recording and you put it into Pro Tools and you try to layer drums over it, layer bass over it, layer strings. And you're stopping and starting and you're out of time and you're in time and you're like, oh man, there's no, there's not, usually you start with drums and then you play along with the drums. So everyone has like a, a hi-hat to keep tempo on, to know what to play along with. And this was like, I guess we just got to feel it out. However, Kurt was feeling in that three minute period. So that's why um, it's actually there. It's a little bit out of time. All right. Well, then we'll go. Smells like teen spirit, something in the way. And I want breed. Good. Done. That's right. the, that's the choice. There it is. Those All are right, your three. All right. So now we can move on to Alice in Chains, which is why everybody All tuned right. in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, let's get started. Let's so we started. did we did an episode on Alice in Chains already back when we did uh, Rockstar 101, a little blast from the past there for anybody who is new mm-hmm. to history of rock and wasn't tuned into that or whatever. Um, so if you want, you can go back and check that out. The format was a little bit different. Like these these episodes are way more planned out than Rockstar 101 ever was. That was really just yes, me yes. and Shim going so what do you want What'd to talk do? about today? Yeah. What do you talk about? What you Sounds do today? Good. You want to talk yeah. about uh, this thing that happened in the news? Um, yeah. So you can go check that out. So that's Facelift. Because the interesting thing with this is Facelift had their biggest hit on it, which was Man in the Box. Yeah. And, that, and that even has their most streams of the band. Again, we're, we lean kind of heavily for, on those numbers because that's 
kind of the numbers that we we can we can look at now. Granted, it's not taking into account Apple, it's not taking into account Google or any streams like that, but you can see how many streams are coming from Spotify. And Man in the Box is the most for Alice in Chains with 228 million streams. The rest of the facelift album is just it's like a mere fraction yeah. of that. Yeah. It's, it's so a few tiny. million each. And then yeah. the and that next- goes to show my point, which is that maybe this band I don't know. Maybe. Is not it as good amazing? as everyone makes out. No, no, maybe it band's not as great as everyone makes out. Here's the thing. I like Alice in Chains in theory. Oh, no, I get you it. Don't. I've Shut played up. with them. I've played. No, don't. I'm, I want to give props where props is due. I respect what they do. I, I like their sound as a sound. I've played festivals with them and they're lovely guys. I just wasn't a fan of the band. Don't I don't dislike them. Here's this is the important thing. I don't dislike Alice in Chains. I just don't like them. That's all. I'm going to clip that and that's going to be amazing right there. I don't listen <laughs> I don't dislike Alice in Chains. I just don't like them. Yeah. Um so yeah, so the most streamed song from Dirt is obviously <laughs> Wood. Like that's kind of the 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 big hit here. It's got 193 obviously million streams yeah. now the album was released on september 29th 1992 and we're doing a little bit of a different take on this episode or these next two episodes where we cover this album because while i was doing a lot of the research it was they really go into the writing of the song it goes into Which what the song great. is about and it goes into yeah. how they created the song and a lot of different uh, aspects like that so we're actually going to go track by track and kind of um, a lot of quotes. And Jerry Cantrell, he was really the guy, uh, you know, with Alice in Chains. You know, he was, you know, he was right there with Lane Staley on the vocals. He wrote the majority of the songs. But we'll get into all of that. There's five singles, five that popped up from this one album, this album that Shim hates with a passion. Didn't say hates. I didn't say don't fucking put words in my mouth, dude. For this album. <laughs> so it started with, um, so the album wasn't released until September 29th, but the first single, Wood, was actually released June 30th. So there's a few months of build on that. And it's interesting because Alice in Chains was kind of right. They were almost a year too early because they released Facelift in 1990 and then the big hit with Nirvana in 91. And then they came back with this album in 92. Now, the other yep. singles from the album, you had Them Bones, Angry Chair, Rooster, and Down in a Hole, which it takes me to a buddy of mine that uh, I had down in South Florida who suffers from spina bifida, so he's in a wheelchair, which, first of all, he was awesome to go to concerts with because we were seeing Filter one time, and he goes, do you want to go to the front? And I was like, sure. And he goes, just start pushing me. People get the fuck out of the way. And I was like, really? And he goes, yeah. He's like, just start pushing me, man. So I was like, all right. So I just, I got behind him. I start pushing this wheelchair and he's just going, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And nobody says, and it's just like, it's the parting of the Red Sea, man. It was great. So we just moved right to the front. And he always would make the joke that Angry Chair was his theme song because obviously he's in his chair all the time. That's awesome. uh, Obviously you had your, uh, of the band members, you had Lane Staley on vocals. And this is real. it's, his vocals to me are one of the big reasons here why Allison Chains stuck with me so much. Because I even mentioned this like with Mark Lanigan, who we've mentioned uh, previously, uh, who who just uh, recently passed away. It's that it's that really dark, brooding voice that's just it's it's it it, it sticks out to me. Like it's something that really really attaches to me. Yeah, Jerry Cantrell, Mike Starr, and Sean Kinney. 
uh, Mike Starr on bass, Sean Kinney on drums, and that was uh, that was your your band, Allison Chains. Mm. Now they started recording Dirt in the spring of 1992, and it was recorded at Eldorado Recording Studio in Burbank, London Bridge Studio in Seattle, and One on One Studios in LA. Now my question for you is have you ever had that where you're recording an album in multiple different studios because back then in like 19 back in the you know early 90s spring of 92 it's not like they could record a song and then they'll email it and then they have yeah. the track and then they have the session file or they have a, a thumb drive or they have something else like yeah. it's it was a lot it was a chore to, to to do that so yeah no i think what they most likely would have done is recorded a few songs finished them and then gone to another studio recorded a few songs finished them and done it that way that was pretty common back then i've ne- I, i've been very lucky in that way i've only ever i've i've i recorded all three of my puppies albums that were done over in the states I did at Rock Mafia Studios and we did most of it in there, except we went to the, another studio to do drums because there was, there was no drum room. But basically, apart from like two or three songs we were asked to do for like um, compilation things, like we did a Smashing Pumpkin song and we did that in a different studio because someone else produced part of it. And I really like going to different studios. It really does make the whole creative process totally different. If you're going to, what, what what's up? You got a ghost in the room? What was that? What the fuck? What's going on? I'm like, what the hell is that sound? My wife has the fucking music cranked the F up right now. Continue, by all means. Continue. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, <clears throat> so, and that might be, I just realized, I thought that it might be the smoke alarm. My smoke alarm no, is set to no, go no, off no, very no. soon. Yeah, my smoke alarm is set to go off soon because we've got to change the batteries and I haven't done it. Hashtag mansplaining fucking bad, bad dad shit anyway um so yeah going and go going recording in different studios is fantastic I, I wish that i'd done more of it no i never got around to doing it but going back to dirt the next section that we're going to talk about is the fact that the recording for the album started on the same day as the la riots which for anyone that doesn't know was when four police officers were acquitted for the beating of rodney king did, did that make it the news down in Australia yeah. at all? Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that made it. Yeah, for sure. Well, here's the thing. It was it, that was the first viral video. That was like the first time that someone yeah. took a home video of something and everyone was looking at the same video. So, uh and it was yeah, it was now nowadays any any time anything like that happens, there's a million people filming. It was the first time it had happened and it was um the first time police brutality was it was like boom, fucking red-handed, fucking get yourself out of this one, and uh, and then so yeah, and it made sense when they were acquitted. People went fucking, they rioted straight up. Yeah, and so, that was obviously it was right around the time where Allison Chains was looking to record it, and then there's a story here where Jerry Cantrell, uh, he was in a store buying beer when someone came in and just started looting the place. Uh, it all, he also mentioned that um, he got stuck in traffic and saw people pulling each other out of their cars and beating them. They ended up getting out of town with Slayer vocalist Tom Araya, and then they went to Joshua Tree for four to five days while things calmed down. Did, is that something that you ever did when you were in Los Angeles? Dude. You're like, oh, I'm just going to go to Joshua Tree for a day. Dude, I want to go to Joshua Tree. I, I plan to do it with my recent band, the, the latest band that I had out for my solo stuff. We just never got around to it. We just never got it together. But really? I'm planning to do it now with some of the new people that I'm working with. I want to make a, yeah, go out, get a, get a camper van. Some do what you do. Yeah, do what you do. Go out there and do it. But yeah, I want to do that. Um, moving to the next section, uh, while at the same time, Lane Staley 
had previously checked himself out of rehab, but he quickly went back to using heroin. He eventually went cold turkey after reading The Bad Place by horror novelist Dean R. Kuntz. The Bad Place. So I don't know anything about that book. Do you know what that? Why that? Was I, I I know. I don't know. I didn't have a chance to to research that as much. That's something that I definitely have have made a note of to look into. You know what? Though. If if anyone watching right now, if anyone knows what that play, what that book is about, and what effect that may have had on him as an addict, put it in the comments section because I'd yeah. be very interested to know that. So producer Dave Jordan, um, the band had previously worked with him on Facelift, and he was told that Staley felt animosity toward him because he repeatedly told Staley to get sober while recording Facelift. Yeah. But and this is a great quote from Jordan where he says, "Apparently he got all mad at me, and what's my job as a producer to produce a record?" I'm not getting paid to be Lane's friend. Yeah. Does that sound like just a producer thing to say right there? No, no, it doesn't sound like a producer thing to say, but it is definitely the, the ironic thing is that some of the best, the best producers in, in the history of music and rock are assholes. If you talk to the singer of the band or the members of the band, if you talk to the guy that owns the label, the producer is a fucking genius because he got that great thing out of the band, right? And they're like, who gives a shit if he pissed off the band? The record sounds great. If you're in the band, you're like, dude, he pissed me off all the time. And you're like, but does the record sound great? Well, yeah, but I didn't have that much fun making it. I'm like, dude, I didn't have fun making Tripolar. I didn't have fun making Dressed Up As Life. And I definitely didn't have fun making Connect for different reasons. <laughs> but like- Was it the cartoon like, voice on Gunfight? Is that what it was? Yeah. And so like, but my producer was an asshole to me. Tim James, I have, I've got the most respect for Tim James than anyone else in the music business ever and probably will ever have. And it's not because he's a fucking nice guy. It's because he's a brilliant producer and a brilliant musician and songwriter. And I got the opportunity to learn heaps of shit off him, but I didn't enjoy working with him. I remember having butting heads with him at one point where it was so difficult that I was like, dude, uh, I, th I thought this was like my record. How come I'm not allowed to say this or do that? And he was like, because it's not the right thing for the record. And I'm like, well, I, I want it on there. And he literally just said, fire me. He was like, I fire just me. imagine you going, but, but I want it on there. No, no I'm like, come no, on, I wasn't I like a it. little. I'm <laughs> but I'm so, sure. But I did. Put it on the No, I want the best this. song ever. <laughs> but he said, fire me. And I didn't have anything to come back from. Yeah, I was like, I want, I want so, this thing on my record. I, I put my foot down, and the irony thing is, he was right. I was young; it was the first album, and I'm like, no, I want it to be like this. And he was like, that's not, that's not the right thing for the record. Did, the record. How, how did you get linked up with him? Was it? Oh, we got linked up. Yeah, it was uh, the guy who owned the independent label was working with him and linked us together. We worked with a bunch of different writers and producers and stuff at the beginning, and then landed with uh, Rock Mafia, and we clicked, and that's who we made the records with. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, I oh, yeah, like it's next not, one. That goes back to this. It's not your job. It's not your job to be the friend. Your job is a producer. If you want a friend, you want to have a good time, go and hire someone that gives you a good time. It's not a producer. Well, I, in, in, in all reality, too, you can look at it on the same aspect on the radio side of things. When I was a producer of the morning show, it's not my job to be the host's best friend. It's my job to put the best goddamn product out there. And, yeah, exactly. and, that, and, that's, and that's what I did. And unfortunately, it can come off as, well, he's just being an asshole. Well, no. So deal with it. Yeah, I'm, it. it's I'm, my job I'm, to make sure we're putting yeah. a quality product out there. Yeah, I'm I'm actually, I'm, I'm, most people who I work with recently are, hopefully, they'll say that I'm good at my job, but I've got a lot of people that are like, he's not nice. He's not that nice to work with. I'm like, yeah, well, 
I'm nice to people who do their job. If it turns out that you're not doing your job and we're not getting where we need to go, and see, I do then my I'm job, not going to be as Jim nice. Jim and I have a great relationship. Yeah. I fucking love hanging out with Jim. I love shooting shit. We love talking, <laughs> playing some video games, and recording this. Like, these are, these are an absolute blast. And doing things for OG Life on the Strong Node Network. Hell yeah. It's amazing. Baby. So, uh, Staley, going back to Dirt, Staley, he later expressed regret about the lyrical content of some of the songs explaining, I wrote about drugs and I didn't think I was being unsafe or careless by writing about them. I didn't want my fans to think that heroin was cool, but then I've had fans come up to me and give me the thumbs up telling me they're high. That is exactly what I didn't want to happen, which is tough. And I remember thinking about that stuff when I would write the lyrics to my songs. I would always say, if I'm going to write a song, what if everyone hears it? What if it turns out? Because every every songwriter writes songs going like, uh, like, um, what was that movie? What was that for? Airheads. Remember Airheads? Yeah, with the Lone Rangers. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lone Rangers. And his whole thing was the, the singer in that band's only, only thing that he ever wanted was just to write one song that lasted forever. Yeah. One song that stood the test of time, one great song, and then I could die because then I'll live on through the song. So I remember seeing that movie, which is it's just a stupid little stoner movie, but it's about musicians doing not, whatever they have to do. It is a stoner movie, no. but it's but it's brilliant. It's got Adam Sandler. It's got- Dude, uh, it's amazing. Who else was- Oh, Steve Buscemi? Uh, Stan, did it as well? Steve Buscemi, yeah. Steve Buscemi and, uh, and no, it was a great movie. It was a fantastic movie. And it has, and it was the first time I heard about a PRS with a dragon inlay. <laughs> and he does the thing, he does yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. he does that shit. And so that was the first time I heard about PRS. And um, no, but I remember him saying, I, I want to write a song that's like that. And the moment I heard it, I went, oh, I want to write a song like that. So every song I wrote afterwards was, what if this is the song? What if I'm writing the song that's going to be the song that is that everyone hears forever? So I would say, oh, I, got, I want to put stuff in there that people will get something out of. Like, what's the best thing you can put in there? What's the most positive thing? So even if I was coming from a negative attitude, I would try to put in enough where you would go, well, it's negative now. What's the positive spin or what's something that does? Because if, if that one, if you just write a song that's like, I hate myself and I want to die and that's the end of it. And that turns out to be the song that everyone gravitates towards, then that's what you're known for. And that's what you put out there. And that's exactly what he's saying, where if you don't think that far enough ahead, you'll just write a bunch of stuff that's like heroin's cool. Because it does. Th this album sounds like fucking heroin. And it glamorizes heroin straight up. And that's one of the reasons I never got into it. Because I liked dark, depressing music as long as it would help you sort of get an energy out of you. If you could like have, if you could, if you could have angsty music that then went fucking rage, and you, you'd bang your head and you'd go, ah, and you get some energy out. This always felt like it was taking me down into a dark place and I couldn't get out of it. That was the thing that wasn't, that's why I didn't get into Alice in Chains. Once again, Alice in Chains is a great band. It just was never my cup of tea. And that's the reason, because the feeling it gave me was not the feeling I wanted. Okay, let me make a note of that. Shim hates Alice in Chains. <laughs> Jesus <Done>. Christ. <laughs> no, I like this. I like the fact that we, it's, I, I would rather have us disagree about something because then I'm probably going to learn something about the album that I didn't, uh, maybe I didn't think about it. Maybe something I didn't know because I mean, truly, and we've talked about this multiple times from this podcast back to Rockstar 101. And when it comes to the big four in regards to grunge, where you have Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, and Nirvana, if, yeah. you, if you're ranking all of those, my top two, it's going to be Soundgarden and Alice in Chains with then Pearl Jam wow. and three and then Nirvana at four. And that's, but that's just me. 
So, and it's not, it's not to say that I, I hate Nirvana. It's not to say that I that I hate Pearl Jam. Dude, here's the thing, right? You know, I was listening to Down on the Upside, which was Soundgarden's last real record. They released another one when they reformed, but no one really cared about that one. Um, but Down on the Upside is their slow album. And I was listening to it again recently after we did Bad Motorfinger. It is one of the greatest albums ever fucking made. Like, if you really listen to Down on the Upside... It just sort of floated along in the mid to late 90s as another Soundgarden record. But when you hear the songwriting, it's basically Beatles. It's basically the same song type of, with, but it's the Beatles, but it's all depressing, negative, dark shit. But it's just as complex and intricate and amazing as the Beatles. And I don't get that sense from any of the other three bands that are on the big four. And that's why Soundgarden should not be down at the bottom. Soundgarden's like, not down at the bottom. What is it? The, the top, my top two are, are, are Alice in Chains and Soundgarden. Oh, that's why. Sorry, and then sorry. Pearl okay, Jam cool. and then Nirvana. That's what it was. Okay, he cool. Yeah, he doesn't okay. listen to me. So you guys, I don't care about podcast, what you say. You clearly <laughs> listen to me more. But uh, so uh, Staley, he wasn't the only one dealing with uh, substance abuse in regards to uh, you know when they were recording. Drummer Sean Kinney and bassist Mike Starr, they were both uh, struggling with alcohol addiction and. That was obviously something that really carried through, you know, with Alice in Chains. I think it's one of those things where if you have one member of a band that's really doped out and the rest of the band isn't, the band isn't really gelling. And that's sad. Don't get me wrong. It's not a good thing. I'm just saying that you can hear the way the way the guitars are, the way the harmonies, the way the whole thing sounds. It sounds like the whole band is going through some shit. Um, there's one of my albums that kind of sounds a bit like that. The subject matter of this album is much darker than Facelift, obviously, because everyone was fucking doped out. Cantrell said, we did a lot of soul searching on this album. There's a lot of intense feelings. We deal with our daily demons through music. All of the poison that builds up during the day, we cleanse when we play. And that's usually the case for a lot of bands that are dealing with this stuff. But Alice in Chains really had they they were the darkest they were definitely the darkest of the bands that we've spoken about so far and you can hear it and it's nice and you, don't, and you know what i'm going to add to my point you know what i'm going to add to my point i want this put in the podcast i want this put on the fucking clip alice and chains alice and chains is a brilliant band alice and chains is a brilliant band because the point of music is to make people feel something alice and chains was amazing at making people feel down and dark and junked out and fucking grimy and that that place they took you to that place i don't like going to that place that's why i don't like this band but they are amazing at achieving that emotional reaction and that's what bands are supposed to do so they're an amazing band i just don't like the feeling that they i don't like the band because they're so good at their job they just evoke <laughs> the wrong feeling it's just well that, and that's, i just and that's fine. It's, it's the feelings that, that you don't necessarily want but now what you need to do yeah. is you need to write a song about that because we're like 25 minutes into this episode and you haven't sung yet and we're supposed oh, to get shit. two in every episode now the way we normally do this here's a little behind the scenes for you guys is i'll put i'll kind of put notes in there like hey maybe you know look at this uh, as a potential song or, or you know, what could we do with this mm. to, to maybe riff something off of that? Um, and then Shim will just kind of, he'll see that and then he'll try to, you know, come up with something on the fly. Uh, this one, I didn't make any notes I on. I don't like how this song feels now, now. I think I'll put on something that 
says, yo, 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 I wanna get my good times on. I wanna feel better than I did before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, look at Shim putting a big old bright, uh, bright sunshiny smile on that. See, one, even right? as I was playing it, I was like, ugh, enough. <laughs> So Staley said that the album is semi-conceptual, and when you listen to the, the the songs and the lyrics and everything else, you can like as Chim has said, heroin is a very underlying theme here. Not even necessarily underlying in some of their songs that are all about that. Uh, Junk Man for is is one instance. Um, but the, he says that the first theme is about dealing with kind of a personal anguish and turmoil, which turns into drugs to ease that pain, and being confident that that was that was the answer in a way. Then later on. The songs start to slip down closer and closer to hell. And then he figures out the drugs were not and are not the way to ease that pain. Basically, it's the whole story of the last three years of my life. Mm. Staley described the other theme as being painful relationships and involvements with persons. Now, of course, because next, you're junked out because he was fucking high. Like, seriously, next next uh, next, next episode, we're going to go song by song in regards to kind of what the theme was and quotes that they've had. And I remember one of the advantages that I had of getting into radio in the Northwest, I mean, I didn't even get in until like 2001, so grunge had long since passed, but I got to work with a lot of people who were around at that time, from the late 80s to the early 90s, and they really kind of got to see the grunge movement grow and be around a lot of these musicians that were building the grunge movement. And I remember I asked uh, my old boss, Al Scott, who works for uh, KNRQ still in Eugene. What's up, Al? Um, I asked him specifically about Lane Staley because you would see interviews about him. And, and I, I was in college when uh, Staley had passed away. And I was like, so, you were around him. What was he like? And, and Al's response was, he just, you could tell he just didn't want to be there. Like he was just out somewhere else. Like he just yeah. like as as everybody else is conversing or all this other stuff is going on, it's like he just didn't want to be there. Yeah, yeah, that's depressing. That's terrible. Thanks for ending on that. Well, you know, we're talking about Allison Chains. It's not like no, we're going to get all get peppy it. all right. of a sudden. No, you're right. Well, here's the thing. By the way, don't do this, heroin, this, folks. Yeah, doy. Um, this hey, next section, doy. I believe, is for you. I believe it's for you, right? No, you're on the uh, multiple songs uh, on the Clear Channel memo. <clears throat> okay. You sure? Yeah, I just read the long-ass quote from Staley. All right. I'm just going to start reading and you're going to go, okay. Multiple songs were on the Clear Channel memo of lyrically questionable. Song lists after September 11 attacks Down in a Hole, Rooster, Sea of Sorrow from Facelift, and Them Bones were on the list. We took this and rang with it on the college station that I was on. I included specific well, programming. Skip that, that part, <laughs> goddammit. That's a note for you. You're not supposed to read that verbatim. <laughs> well, Jesus. <laughs> all right, fine. I'll be sure to put all that in italics next time so that you know. Okay, but well, seriously. Those were notes for me because this was a big deal. This hit, like, I started in radio right after the 9-11 attacks. And I remember that was a big thing where Clear Channel sent out this memo that had, it was... Uh, uh, you were you know, just talking about radio. I thought you were going to segue into that, and then you fucking put me on the spot, so fuck it. Well, I mean, you could just read the top half, and then I'll get into it, rather than you going and, nah. you know, playing the Selling asshole you out. role. <laughs> you yeah. <son> of a <laughs> bitch. Um, but no, and I, I remember it was right, uh, I was um, uh, getting into radio right around that time, and I remember specifically, um, I, I think it wasn't even until like later that spring or summer of 2002, when that memo came through. 
And it was like, here's all the songs we're not going to play. One of the songs that they even deemed inappropriate was Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World. Yeah. Because they're like, Which I think is... we don't really want this, this kind of happy stuff right now. Yeah. And I, I still have all of the imaging and, and promos and stuff that I did where it was, we ain't going to puss out like that. We're going to play you the music that we want to play you. It doesn't matter what the lyrical content is. It doesn't matter what's going on. It's kind, yeah. of, the, it's kind of the point of music. It, here's the problem. If if you say like, hey, we're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna play people things that remind them that bad things are happening, mm-hmm. I can comprehend that as a theory. I don't agree with it, but I can get it. Yeah. When you say we're also not going to play things that remind people that there are good times, because we're fucking losers. Yeah. We're just so scared and arbitrary and pathetic that we're just gonna say we're just gonna not take a we're, we're not willing to risk anything. So when you say like, hey, What a Wonderful World is literally one of the most beautiful songs that's ever been written. You can put that song on at any time, whether you're your saddest or your happiest place, and it will take you to the same place. It will make you go, well, we're lucky we're still here. For Shim, Let's look at the good shit. He's going to go listen to What a Wonderful World once we're done recording these episodes. I have because, a cover. I covered What a Wonderful Allison World. Because Alice Chains depresses him so yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, could you imagine if you did... What a wonderful world is Alice in Chains if you're like I see trees green and red roses too I've seen them blue for being you and I think to myself what a fucking shitty world i hate myself so much i'm gonna get high so i don't have to think about anything at all what a wonderful world that's terrible, that's terrible. <laughs> we should we should write a full song if alice in chains were to perform if what alice a wonderful world, and it's all about every, heroin yeah i could i could do that song i could do that song imagine if you were on heroin that's the thing well if you did what, what a wonderful world if no heroin's fucking awesome <laughs> No, but that's the thing that goes against the theme of of gray. No, no. see, now that's you glamorizing heroin again. Here's the problem. God forbid we don't want to do anything that might be considered glamorizing something that other people currently consider is not good because then we might get backlash. People might have things to say about things that we said. (laughs) Hold on, I got a note. God forbid fucking Lane Staley comes out of the grave and gives us a Will Smith across the fucking face for saying words. That's true. That's true. But on that note, we are going to wrap up this episode. We got to get to uh, we're going to get to part two next week for you guys. Something I did mention to Shim that I kind of want to start peppering in here in our episodes because we do talk about a lot of heavy topics like heroin. Uh, obviously, when we talk about uh, Nirvana, that story ultimately ends in you know Kurt Cobain's suicide. Is that we want to make sure that as we're covering these heavy topics, we want to make sure that if anybody is struggling from anything, you always know where to find help. Um, so if you are for any reason struggling with mental health issues or substance abuse for free confidential free help with substance abuse and mental health call the substance abuse and mental health services administration's national helpline. It's 1-800-662-HELP. You can also reach out to the national suicide prevention lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. And we're going to mention those in our episodes here, especially when we're covering these heavier topics because we enjoy doing these episodes 
Uh, we know that these topics can be kind of heavy, and we want to make sure that anybody who out there struggling, you should never struggle alone. So even on it's that, important like, to, it, it's important to separate the music from the subject matter. Just because the subject, just because the music sounds cool, doesn't mean the subject matter is. Exactly. And if you're dealing with the subject matter in your personal life, it ain't cool and it ain't glamorized and it ain't fucking something to be promoting and saying, hey, it's cool because good music came from it. Because there's a lot of good music that comes from a lot of other things. So go and if you, if you need it, you go get your help. That's a perfect way to wrap up this episode. So next next episode, we're going to do a song-by-song breakdown here of Alice in Chains' Dirt, where we're going to go through some quotes from the band, what's behind the songs, and things like that. But on that note, Shim, let's go ahead and wrap it up. All right. His name is Brandon. He's the DJ. His name is Shim. He's the rock star. Class dismissed.